Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Anna Staver, and this is Ohio Politics Explained, a podcast where you give us 15 minutes and we give you all the news you need to sound smart and impress your friends when you go out this weekend. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Ohio Politics Explained, the Are We Finally Done edition. This week, we're explaining how the never-ending redistricting process might actually be coming to an end. Will legalizing marijuana be on the 2022 ballot? Why 400,000 Ohioans might lose their health care coverage this summer in a lawsuit challenging a doctor's right to refuse services. Joining me this week is our amazing intern, Mary Jane Simmons. Welcome back to the show, Mary Jane. Hi, thanks for having me. All right, let's get started. A federal court might have put an end to the redistricting saga this week. The three-judge panel told Ohio to draw a new set of maps for its state house and Senate districts by May 28th. But if we don't, the third set of maps, not the fourth one, the third set that was already rejected as constitutional will be the districts for 2022. This is pretty much what happened to the federal map for Ohio's 15 seats in Congress. And so it all might be over. It'll be interesting to see what happens because, you know, they brought in these independent map makers and the map that they think that the federal court would pick was not one that those map makers used. So it just, it seems like a lot of money was spent for a lot of confusion. Um, So it will be interesting. And that map, map three is the one I think that they will use. It has quite a few districts that are listed as toss ups, or I guess that would be in the favor of the Dems. But since it is a swing year, that could potentially give the GOP supermajority. So yeah, that was the Democratic and sort of the fair district criticism of these maps. Well, it meant that 55-45 split, which is how what the state usually goes, like 55% Republican, 45% Democrat. Well, it kind of hit that margin. A lot of those Democratic districts were within what we might call the margin of error, meaning like 51-49. And so they were very swingable, whereas a lot of the Republican districts were very safe. And that was the the criticism of the way that map was drawn. And speaking of critics, the process has gone the way Republicans wanted all along is the big criticism of the fair districts folks like Maureen O'Connor, the chief justice who keeps striking down all these Republican maps is retiring at the end of this year because Ohio unlike the federal Supreme Court, has age limits on serving. So, And we also vote for our judges. And not only that, but they run in partisan races. So O'Connor is a Republican, but she's the only Republican on the Ohio Supreme Court who keeps rejecting the maps as unconstitutional. So if her replacement is a Republican... Like, it could swing, and when we finally get back to doing another set of maps, like, they may get exactly what they've wanted all along. Yeah, I can't wait to see how it plays out, especially because if they can't come up with the maps and they do use map three... It was initially considered unconstitutional by the Supreme Court, so it just feels like, yeah, you know, a merry-go-round, never-ending. Yeah, I don't know when we're going to get off. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. 
listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. So our second topic is Mary Jane. Well, marijuana or legalized cannabis, depending on what you call it. I'm sorry, I couldn't resist. (laughs) No, that's good. (laughs) If you've been a fan of the podcast for a while, you know that a group of Ohioans gathered enough signatures to ask lawmakers to draft legislation to legalize marijuana for everyone over 21. The bill got introduced this week by two Democrats from Northeast Ohio, but, and this is a big but, the bill is not going to go anywhere. Republicans don't want to legalize recreational marijuana, and neither do Governor Mike DeWine. So they introduced it, which they were supposed to, but they're not going to pass it by deadline, right? I think when I was reading about this article, one thing that popped into my mind is back in 2015 when they were trying to put this on the ballot and it it really favored like a monopoly. It would have monopolized the marijuana business. But Nick Lachey was in the commercials. And I just, (laughs) fun fact, I can never forget that. Yeah, no, I grew up when he was in a boy band. So, yeah. Next up is a story about 400,000 Ohioans who get their health insurance through Medicaid. That's the one for low-income earners, not the folks over 65. So during the pandemic, the federal government told states, well, you can't disenroll folks. Like Medicaid evaluates people once a year, not all at once, but like on a rolling basis to see if they still qualify. So if you make too much money, you have to go buy your own insurance. And well, the feds ordered to keep everyone on Medicaid, even if they started to earn income above the threshold. But that ends July 15th. And the federal government was like, take a year, figure out who shouldn't be on your rolls. But Ohio Republicans were like, nah, take 90 days and get it done. And now Medicaid folks are worried that rural counties will make mistakes in their rush to hit this deadline and potentially bump people off who actually qualify. So no rush. Right. I think that just makes it really hard for these underfunded and understaffed places to have to, it'll be a rat race to go through 90 days. And I'm sure there will be lots of mistakes and it's people's health care. It's not easy, I'm sure, if you do get kicked off of Medicaid to have to call back and try to get on Medicaid. So I feel like it'll cause a lot of a lot of issues for people. Yeah. Now, Republicans say they set aside $35 million for a third-party vendor. It's called Public Consulting Group, if anyone cares, to quickly analyze and identify likely ineligible people to like move the process along faster. But the Democratic criticism is they get paid for disenrollment. Like The incentives are wrong. So while it would be helpful to have an outside group help these underfunded counties move this quicker, are we setting them up to pull more people and get paid more money? I don't know. I guess we'll have to see how it goes. And our colleague Titus Wu will be following that story this summer. Our fourth and final topic is about a lawsuit challenging whether doctors, nurses, and other medical professionals can refuse services because of religious beliefs. So last year, Ohio adopted a law that lets doctors be, quote, excused from services that conflict with the moral, ethical, or religious beliefs or convictions of a medical practitioner. That's the actual like language from the bill. And so uh, Zach Klein, which is the Columbus attorney, he sued saying that this is not fair that, you know, in public hospitals, you know, or in public health, like city and county health districts, like they can't, according to this law, let go of someone who won't fulfill 
their duties. I think with a healthcare system that's already inundated, if practitioners can pick and choose which services to offer their patients, it's interesting to see what would happen if someone goes to the doctor and they're like, I'm sorry, I can't help you. But they also could be like, and I'm not going to refer you somewhere else either. So, I mean, if you're waiting months to get into a doctor and you finally get there, that's just, it's a delay of care. And I, I think like doctors are supposed to be healers. The law should kind of be kept out of that but yeah and there are some protections like let's be clear because like what you hear from republicans is that like yeah if you don't believe in abortion you shouldn't be forced to perform one and absolutely but like that is a service that you don't have to offer like OBGYNs and gynecologists and other medical doctors like they can tell you up front like that's just like not a service that i provide to anyone here at my clinic and i do think there should be certain protections like that but it's it is a very like difficult question in my opinion of how far those protections should go like should a pharmacist like want to know whether i'm married before they give me birth control like is that a bridge too far right i think dewine had said that it shouldn't it's not an issue and it won't be an issue because um most practitioners don't go into a field of medicine that they don't believe in but i think that's a really good point Yeah. And it's, you know, you hear it from the LGBTQ community, like would a pharmacist deny hormones prescribed to someone because they don't believe in transgender care of that kind? Like it is difficult. You know, I had a friend who actually one time went to go get the plan B when it was still behind the counter. And for those of you who don't know, plan B is emergency contraceptive. It's like a mega dose of birth control. And she got a lot of pushback from the pharmacist who wanted to know about the nature of her relationship before he would give it to her. And I was like, well, that's awkward and uncomfortable, but I don't know. I don't know where the line gets drawn on some of this stuff. Right. That is an issue. And some people are on medications for hormones or birth control, and it has nothing to do about contraception. It has to do with their health. Um, So it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Yeah. And one more thing before you go. The turnout for early voting in the Ohio primary is down 30% compared to the number of absentee ballots cast this time four years ago. So this is your official kick in the pants to go vote. Set up a reminder. Take a friend. I always say decisions are made by the people who show up. So if you can vote in the primary, unlike me who cannot, make sure that you go and vote. And in case you're wondering why reporters don't vote in primaries in Ohio, that's how you get tagged with a political party. You don't register as Republican or Democrat, but if you pull the ballot, that's how you get registered. So I shall remain unaffiliated. Local elections are the most important. I mean, I know a lot of people turn out for presidential elections and bigger ticket elections, but I think the most important elections are the ones where you're voting for someone who's going to be making policies and laws that affect your day-to-day life, and that's local. So, Oh, and that reminds me of a really good point. If you are unaffiliated and you do not want to vote in a partisan primary, but you have like a school levy, you can pick up a nonpartisan ballot with just that school levy. So FYI, like even if you don't want to register with a party, you can vote in your local issues. So thank you for reminding me of that, Mary Jane. That's really good to know. So perfect. (laughs) All right. And if you want to learn more about any of the topics we covered, check us out online at any of the newspapers in our network, like NewarkAdvocate.com. 